Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Mel Hubbard here. It's uh, Elon Daly, part of the Talking Tesla Network, and it is Thursday, August 1st. August 1st? Are you kidding me? It's already August? It's upsetting. Hey, let's start off with a letter. This letter is from Dennis Page, and it goes like this. Dare I say, you seem to enjoy your PV system at your home with two power walls. Actually, it's three. I currently have a bid from Tesla and from a local company to install a 12-kilowatt system at my home with battery backup. Either two power walls or two brand X batteries of 10 kilowatt hours each. But frankly, I am uncertain about the benefit of the battery backup. Can you provide me with your perspective? As I see it, the reasons that are meaningful to me for installing batteries include one, provide power during grid outage. Okay, that's one way. And then the next thing is provide power from batteries overnight or cloudy or whatever instead of pulling from the grid. What I don't understand, here's the key, is the benefit of battery backup if net metering is available. It is to me. With net metering, overnight benefit of battery disappears, doesn't it? Question mark. In other words, if all my excess is going to the grid during the day and I pull it out at night, I'm effectively using the grid as my battery. So having a power wall doesn't really do anything for me. This seems to reduce the benefits above to only the first one, which is providing some protection against grid outages. Am I missing something, Dennis? So you are in fact correct. There's a number of reasons to get batteries, and so let's go through them, and I'll tell you my reasons. And some of them are shared by a lot of people, and some are not. So one reason to get them is, as you say, for backup. If you're at a place where the grid goes out a lot, then that can become extraordinarily useful. I hear that in Northern California... This is now a big problem for some reason. The grid is pretty unstable. I know for our friends in Kenya, the grid goes out all the time. So if you're in a situation like that and you've got mission critical stuff, even a fridge is mission critical, then um, having battery backup, I think, is absolutely key. So we had an event yesterday down here in Southern California and uh, power went out, but the batteries clicked on almost immediately. It's not instantaneous. I was always told it's instantaneous, but I saw the lights flicker, looked at my app, and I saw the power had gone off, and it was a short time. So uh, that's one reason to do it. Um, the second reason is to save you money. How do you save money? So at the studio, we don't have uh, net metering. We have time of day. So I put on all the solar, and then I was looking at the amount of money that I was still spending on electricity, like, what is going on here? So during the day, I was making lots of solar, selling it to the grid, at something like five cents, getting five cents per kilowatt hour credit. But then in the evening when all the lights are on and everything is happening, we were using it at like 25 cents per kilowatt hour. So it still was a pretty big electric bill. So in that circumstance, what you can do is get yourself a battery, fill it up during the day with all of your cheap solar, and then use it yourself instead of pulling from the grid if you have time of day charges. And for some people, that's a big deal. So we just heard that Wozniak, Steve Wozniak of Apple fame, got a couple of Tesla power walls because he's going to do that. He's actually going to fill it up at night using cheap grid costs and then use it in the evenings when the grid is expensive. So you can do it that way. But if you've got net metering and you've got one-to-one -one net metering or close to it, which is I give the grid one kilowatt hour and I get one kilowatt hour back, then you won't make money out of having a Tesla Powerwall. But there's another reason to do it as well. So one is backup and one is to save you money. But the third one, I think, is just to make yourself zero carbon. So my bias has been that if you have the money as an individual or as a company to be net zero in terms of your carbon footprint, then you should be trying like heck to do that. I think it's incumbent upon everybody who can afford it, every country, every person, every corporation, to be pushing as hard as they can personally and corporately to become net zero in terms of carbon. Because what that does is it 
means that they're going to sell a lot more batteries. They're going to sell a lot more solar that's going to push this thing along. It's going to drop the price for everybody else. Uh, there's lots of green jobs then. So if you can afford it, then I think you should do it for those reasons. That's a bit more obscure, but I think it's a really powerful one. Um, particularly because in the West, we have become very rich by burning fossil fuels, and now we are destroying the planet because of those. It's incumbent upon us to make good on that and to fix that. And one way you can do that is to really push along green technology. So again, if you can't afford it, then I think that that is a little bit obscure, but I think a really important reason for me personally to spend the money on getting solar, on getting batteries, and making this market as big as possible, getting EVs, so that there is a trickle downstream effect over time, so that they become cheaper, so that many more people can get it. But for your specific situation, in terms of money, probably not worth it in terms of cash. But think about these other reasons for doing it. I think they're important. Now, if you've listened to the show, you know that I'm never afraid to push other people's podcasts and stuff. And one of mine that comes up all the time that I really like is Teslanomics. So Ben Sullins has Teslanomics. It's a YouTube channel. And the last one is about doubling the speed of charging your Model 3 from a regular outlet here in the US. We have 120 volt. You plug that into a Model X or S and you're only getting about two, maybe three miles per hour of charge. In the Model 3, I tend to get about five, four or five miles of range per hour of charge because it's a much more efficient car. Well, he shows off a little box that allows you to plug into two different 120 volt outlets and you can double the speed of your charging. So overnight, instead of getting maybe 30 miles of range, you could get something like, you know, into the 60s or even higher. So for those of you that don't want to get a standard, you know, 240 volt charger for a much faster rate of charging, and you just want to use the 120, you can stack two of these together in this magic box and get a reasonable rate of charge. He got up to six miles an hour. I can't remember if it was in his uh, Model S or in his Model 3, probably in his S. But anyway, it doubled the rate of charging. So go check that out. Ben Sullins, uh, Teslanomics. I think it's really useful. And that particular box is going to be very useful for some people who really can't afford or do not want to stick in a 240-volt charger. Sometimes to put in a 240-volt charger, you've got to upgrade your entire service panel, and that can be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars, so a lot of people don't want to do that. So go check out Ben Sullins. It's a pretty nice little box. So this is a company, you may have heard of them, they're called Tesla, and they say that they are going to be feature complete for full self-driving this year. And part of that feature complete is having the FSD, the full self-driving computer chip thing, in Model 3 S and X. So since about March, around March 20th for S and X, they've been putting in this chip. It's not really a chip, it's a whole full self-driving computer thing with many chips on it. And since about April 12th in every Model 3, but we've never really seen one except for some sort of vague imagery from Tesla. But now there's this gentleman called Green. He tore apart his car and he pulled out the, uh, what are we going to call this, computer? He took a picture of it and you can see it on electric. So uh, this thing is real. It's in there and it's fast. It's supposed to be 21 times faster than the current 2.5 hardware. And in terms of frame rate and operations per second, as it were, like trillions and trillions of operations per second. And they're starting to do hardware three retrofits as well. Well, later in the year, they're going to start. So this is exciting. This is amazing. And we will see if this little uh, computer can do what Elon says, which is turn your car into full self-driving and therefore turn it into a profit maker and therefore make your car worth $200,000 whereas before it was depreciating in value. We will see. I'm still a little skeptical about when this is going to occur. But there it is, a picture. It's real. It exists. So there's this movie, right? It's called The Cannonball Run, right? I used to watch it as a kid 
growing up, right? It had Burt Reynolds and Sally Fields, right? And it was, to me, one of the most fun. Was that right? Was it Burt Reynolds and Sally Field in Cannonball Run? I love that movie. Anyway, so you know, it was a big race across the, the US and lots of pretty people and pretty cars and a fun show, right? So there's this thing called the EV Cannonball Run, and it is a drive from one side of the Americas to the other side of the Americas, in this case, the North Americas. And a Swedish family has just beaten the record. So they had a Model 3, which they actually bought in the U.S. Then they um, took it to Europe, and they've been driving it around there. Well, they just brought it back to the U.S., and they did the EV Cannonball Run in a trip time of 48 hours and 10 minutes. They did it on July 14th, a 2,835-mile drive or 4,562-kilometer trip. So they beat it by the previous record by about two hours and six minutes. There were three of them that were able to drive, uh, Lars and his wife Betty and their 18-year-old daughter Robin. There's a nice picture again on electric that you can check it out. They said on the trip they consumed a total of 832 kilowatt hours of energy, averaging 293 watts per mile or 182 watt hours, I should say, 293 watt hours per mile or 182 watt hours per kilometer. It was driven by the three drivers. They set the internal temperature to 70 degrees. The AC was on pretty much the entire time throughout the car ride. They carried about 840 pounds or 380 kilograms payload, including passengers and luggage and supplies and all that. And the total cost to do it, what do you think the total cost to drive that was? $136.26. That is a cheap way to get across the country. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, they have broken the Cannonball EV record. That's kind of a fun family thing to do. So I'll speak it to you tomorrow, maybe, probably, but I've got to go to the country of Indiana. So I don't know if I'm going to have time to be able to throw one of these puppies together. I'm going to try my best, though, because I know if I don't, so many of you are going to be so sad. But if I don't, I'll speak to you on the Mondays, because I'll be back from said country of Indiana by then. Put it out.